every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Grace to all of you and peace from God, our Creator, and from our Lord, and from our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Most holy, most gracious, most loving God, we thank you for your hard word today. And we ask that you would send your spirit, that we might be open to its interpretation. Help us, almighty God, to know the many chasms that separate us in this world and the next. And help us to know that you are the ultimate bridge. In your holy and most blessed name we pray. Amen. Some of you may be aware, some of you may not be aware, that Sunday by Sunday, the texts that we read to you from the Bible are assigned to us. We don't necessarily choose which Bible verses we read. We are part of something called the Common Lectionary. The Common Lectionary is a three-year cycle of readings, one year for each of the Gospels. So one year we're reading the Gospel of Mark, the next year the Gospel of Matthew, the next year the Gospel of Luke, and the Gospel of John is interspersed between the three. Lutherans use that common lectionary, the Catholics use that common lectionary, the Episcopalians, the Methodists, the Disciples of Christ, UCC, many different denominations use this cycle and are preaching on this text today. It is a text that is difficult to understand, and it is from the Gospel of Luke, which is one of the more challenging Gospels. Each of the Gospels has its own emphasis. And there are differences between the Gospels. One of the major differences that Luke has with the other Gospels is the fact that he includes something that the others do not. It's called the travel document, 
which you've probably never heard of before. The travel document is Luke taking 10 chapters of his gospel to describe Jesus' movement from the Galilee region up north down to Jerusalem where he will experience Holy Week, the cross, and the empty tomb. The other gospels devote maybe a chapter, maybe a chapter and a half to the travel that Jesus does from Galilee down to Jerusalem. Not Luke, 10 chapters. Why does he devote that much effort and time to that movement? Well, for us to understand today's gospel lesson about the rich man and Lazarus, which is part of the travel document, we need to imagine that we are on that journey with Jesus. And once we imagine that, we begin to unlock what it was that Jesus was trying to teach his followers those many centuries ago. So imagine that we are on that journey with Jesus. We would be walking. It would be dry and dusty. We would carry our food and our water with us. We would sleep on the ground. It would be not just Jesus' 12 disciples who are walking with Jesus the 60 or 70 miles from the north of Israel, Galilee, down to Jerusalem, which, by the way, would probably take at least a week. If you walk 10 miles a day, it's going to take at least a week. And along the way, you're going to talk to people, meet people, walk with people. There would have been in this group, not just the disciples, but there would have been many women. Some scholars say there were more women followers of Jesus than men. So there's a group, large group of women. There would have also been the Pharisees, ultra-religious Jewish leaders who would be walking in their own little subgroup and I would imagine they would be walking the entire way with their arms crossed waiting for Jesus to make some mistake. There probably were some Roman soldiers who were intrigued by this and probably walked with each other. There would have been zealots who were revolutionaries who were exactly the opposite of the Roman soldiers. They wanted to overthrow the empire. There would have been poor people, peasants, who were forgotten by history and yet not by Jesus. There would have been rich people. There were rich people that followed Jesus. And there were poor people who were somehow ill. There would have been lepre people with leprosy. There would have been people who were blind. There would have been possibly people who were lame. There would have been children. It was a big mix. And if you can imagine walking with this mix, each of these groups would probably be walking with people like themselves. Little subgroup. That's our, our nature. We tend to associate with people like ourselves. And so that's the crowd that's following Jesus on the way down to Jerusalem. And that's when Jesus starts telling his stories. For after that 10 miles, you're tired. You want to sit down. The people from the villages come out. They also are added to the mix. They sit with people they know. They sit in the same place where they always sit. Sorry about that. 
And Jesus begins to teach. And he tells them stories, day by day. Luke records them in the travel document. And there's something common about all these stories. What's common about them is that they're very challenging to the way we separate ourselves from other people. He addresses the little subgroups and says, I have come to challenge the way we are in this world. And he challenges these subgroups with stories like the Good Samaritan story, which sometimes we think is a story that we're to help other people. It's not really that. It's a story about the chasm, the separation, the distance between Jewish people and Samaritan people. That's what the story was about. And at the time he's telling that story, there is a group of Jewish people sitting in one corner and there's a group of Samaritan people sitting over here and they're probably looking at each other while Jesus tells the story. He tells stories in this travel document about the host of a banquet who chooses to invite not just his friends, but strangers to his house. What greater chasm could there be than between those people who are friends with you and those people who are strangers to you. There's a chasm between those two groups. Throughout the entire travel document, he's focused on these separations, these chasms between people. Just prior to today's gospel lesson, he tells the story about the man who divorces his wife, and if he marries another, he commits adultery. What's the story about? It's about the chasm between the power that men wielded in the first century and the powerlessness of most women in that century. He told many stories about the chasm between the rich and the poor, including the story from today about the rich man and Lazarus. He goes on and on, and story after story, challenging people, challenging people, challenging people. He said, I have come to bring a new way of being in the world. It's called the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is very small because very rarely do people come across those chasms that separate one from another. Very rarely do people do that, reach out to people different from themselves. But when it happens, the kingdom begins to grow like a shrub, like a mustard tree that is big enough to welcome all the birds of the air. And of course, the point is that all the birds of the air represent all the different peoples in those various groups that the kingdom of God is inclusive of all those folks. So we are sitting in our own little Lutheran group, looking at all the various people across the way. And we would be challenged by Jesus' words. It is in that kind of setting that Jesus shares the rich man and the Lazarus story. And there are Lazarus people in that crowd and there are rich people in that crowd. The story, of course, is of the rich man who walls himself off from the riffraff. He protects his life, his good, joyous way of being, his friends, his family from those outsiders represented by Lazarus. Of course, we can make analogies to much of our world today. I heard one sermon that was so powerful with this who described the rich man being the countries of the northern hemisphere 
who now are literally walling themselves off from the Lazarus refugees of the southern hemisphere. I heard another sermon that described the rich man being every one of us in this room, and we could, of course, do that same analogy here today. In some ways, each one of us walls ourselves off from that which might threaten our happiness. It's hard to take the risk of opening the gate to those people with sores. In some ways, we're all the rich man, and we deserve to be in Hades. And yet, at the same time, we're also Lazarus. How many of us have not felt like we are the ones on the outside of that wall? That everybody else is included except for us. Martin Luther used to say that within us is both a saint and a sinner. There is a chasm even within us as individuals. The chasms abound in this world. Chasm between small groups of people, chasms between us and God, chasms between life and death, chasms even within our own personality. At the end of the travel document, after Jesus has hammered this again and again and again about the chasms between people and within people and between us and God and between life and death, it's like, oh, gosh, whoa. It's like those old-time sermons that pound you down. But we must remember that it's called the travel document. We're going somewhere. And where we're going is the cross and the open tomb. And at that cross, Jesus opens up his arms and becomes the connection between heaven and earth, becomes the bridge over the chasms of this world within our own selves and between groups that separate themselves from each other. Jesus becomes a bridge. And he's setting us up for that by this travel document. I will help you bridge those chasms, Jesus says. To reach out to those around you, to forgive yourself, to trust that life and death has a chasm that is bridged by my love. Today is Connection Sunday here at the church. And on one level, it simply means how do we reach out and become friends with one another in this community? How do we join a small group and get to know someone? That's an important part of what we're about in Connection Sunday, but more powerfully, we might call it Bridge Sunday. Bridging the chasms of our world. And at the deeper theological level, maybe Connection Sunday means we begin taking the risk to step out on that bridge that Jesus has connection, connected between us and people who are strangers to us. Between us and the divine between us who are mortal and the gift of eternal life 
and maybe most profoundly, the chasm that sometimes exists within us so that we can forgive ourselves and start living the mustard seed life. The travel document seems like judgment and law, but it leads to gospel and peace. Amen. Most holy and most blessed God, we thank you for reaching out our arms and creating the bridges that bind us together as the human family in this world and the next. In your holy and most blessed name, amen.